What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey. I am Ben Goetz, one of your uh, Golden Knights Review Journal beat reporters. Joining me, as he always does, on the other line, fresh off his first hockey trip of the season to Arizona, is my colleague, David Shane. Dave, how did uh, the nice weather treat you over there? Yeah, a little bit of a suntan, I gotta say. It was nice to uh, to go down there, check out the uh, the Scottsdale area. I haven't uh, haven't really had a chance to uh, to poke around there too much, so it was nice to to see what it's all about. But gotta say, man, that's a that's a long way from that Glendale Arena. So I see what everybody's talking about out there how difficult it is to get out to that arena. That's for sure. Yeah, there's just, you know, a couple of stadium and venue issues going on with Arizona right now. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk, of course, about the reason why Dave was in Arizona, which is, of course, the Golden Knights uh, participated in a tournament out there as part of their rookie camp. So we're going to get his thoughts on that. And now that that event is wrapped up, the Golden Knights are getting ready for training camp uh, very soon. They're actually doing all their... Uh, medical and kind of fitness testing tomorrow uh, on Wednesday as we're recording this because we're talking on Tuesday. But before we get to all that and kind of preview all that's going on with the Knights right now, I want to just to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, as always, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. Dave got some great stuff uh, out in Arizona. From the rookie tournament, uh, I really encourage you guys to check a lot of his stories out. We're going to be plugging some of that stuff throughout the show. And also, I had a story go on the site yesterday because I talked to uh, some of the Golden Knights veteran players out at their annual charity golf tournament to kind of get some of their thoughts before camp begins. Um, and also, as always, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. We're going to get back to hopefully kind of our once a week schedule here outside of when we do special bonus episodes, which we did do one with Golden Knights bar prospect Peyton Krebs about two weeks ago that I would really encourage you guys to check out now that he is heading into uh, main camp and is going to be fighting for a roster spot. And he kind of talked about, you know, his mindset entering that battle with us. Uh, now, with all that out of the way, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Golden Knights rookies and how they did this past week. Uh, the last time we talked to you guys was actually uh, last Thursday, right after we had watched the first rookie camp practice, which we, I think, had that fresh rookie camp glow about us where we had just seen live hockey in person for the first time in a very long time. And we got to talk to some players in person for like the first time in what was basically almost exactly like a year and a half. Uh, so we are very excited about all of that. And then those rookies went off to Arizona. They went one and two in the tournament. Uh, Dave, you were there, as we've talked about. And one thing that uh, you've often said on this podcast, which I think makes a lot of sense, is that you basically want some guys, especially kind of your top prospects, if you're the Knights, to essentially show they don't belong at rookie camp. I mean, that's a good sign if, like, basically when they're kind of playing against other players their age group, they're standing out so much that you're just like, all right, like, this dude just does not deserve to be here anymore. So, out of the three games you got to watch in person, was there anyone on the nights that kind of was, you know, getting to that level of not belonging or at least, you know, showed you something 
to where they stood out in your eyes? Okay, so I'm going to actually make a joke first off, okay, before we get into the night stuff, because you asked me who stood out. Of the three games that I saw, nobody stood out more than this kid for Arizona named Ben McCartney, okay? And he's a Brandon Wheat King, and I don't know how the heck he got past Kelly McCrimmon and how he's not a Golden Knight. This kid was absolutely unbelievable in the Friday game. I don't know how the heck he was a seventh-round pick. But anyway, I I digress. Um, To the actual Knights, folks, yeah, I think um, the the guys, the older guys, the AHL, you know, experience-type players that you wanted to see, for the most part, you know, were the ones that stood out. There wasn't anybody. Now, here's the thing. Like it, the baseline with that is always Alex Tuck. And the hard part with, with using Alex Tuck as a gauge is he's so fast in the skating. And so nobody's going to ever pop and just catch your eye the way that Alex Tuck did. But Jack Dugan at one point in the second game, you could see the the switch just flipped. And he said, that's it. Let's go. I'm I'm kind of taking over here. I'm I'm tired of sitting back. And he had a nice power play goal. He scored a goal in the win on Monday. It, you just you saw more of what you wanted to see, and he just looked physically bigger and stronger than most everybody out there. Um, which is which is again what you wanted to see. Peyton Krebs, you know, you saw his speed. He didn't show up on the score sheet, the scoreboard, you know, or anything like that. Really, for him in terms of goal production. But he made a couple plays. He obviously was given some rest for that second second game and only played the two games. But I, I don't think there's anything that that he, you know, didn't show or didn't flash or that you would worry about with him. Um, you know, the other two, I, I think, and we're going to talk about this. Uh, Peter Deliberatory and Kagan Korzak, I think, both really bossed games at at points throughout the weekend, which which you really wanted to see. But there's one guy I, re- I, I want to mention because I'm going to forget um, otherwise. And, and I'd like to talk about the goalies too. But I, I didn't write about this in the takeaways. And I hope folks were able to read that at reviewjournal.com. You know, kind of, you know, my five takeaways from, from rookie camp. But defenseman Zach Hayes may, may have been their best player. He, he was unbelievable for the three games. Just a rock back there on the blue line, blocking shots, you know, breaking up two-on-ones without sliding. And certainly, you know, Ken Bolke from Sinbin was down there and he was loving that, obviously. Um, but it just his play really, really does need to be cited positively and, and pointed out sort of in all of this. And, you know, so there, there was a lot of guys, you know, Mesa Prima was, an, was another one who, you know, jumped out sort of positively. You know, Lucas Cormier, I thought, showed some things. So, you know, a lot of guys did their part, even though the the Knights only came out of there one and two. Yeah, first of all, I mean, shout out to uh, Zach Hayes. I mean, he's a guy, one, he's still very young. He's only 22 years old. But he was only signed to an AHL contract last year with the Silver Knights. So, really had to, like, prove himself. And then I think ultimately... I believe signed an entry level deal with the Golden Knights. So yeah. uh, started on an AHL contract, ended on an NHL contract. That doesn't happen, you know, too too often. And it obviously shows that uh, he was really impressing kind of the coaching staff uh, last year. 
you know, he only had uh, seven points in 35 games with the Silver Knights, but uh, he was plus 26, which we talk all the time, like plus minus is a very flawed stat that has a lot of, you know, nuances to it that just there's a lot of noise, I guess, for lack of a better word in it, where you really have to parse out what's meaningful about, you know, the plus minus and what's not. But I believe he was near the top of the AHL in plus minus. So whenever you can do that and stand out that much, that's usually a pretty good sign uh, for you. So it's interesting that he obviously stood out. Uh, but the one guy you mentioned, like right off the top that I really want to uh, chat at least a little bit about is Jack Dugan, because you did a story on him in which I think he was pretty candid about his mindset coming into camp. I mean, Dugan, you know, he was a fifth round pick that kind of worked his way into, you know, notable prospect status at Providence. Then last year, he, you know, is an AHL rookie. He has 33 points in 37 games for the Silver Knights. So that's really strong. But now he's 23 years old and kind of coming into the last year of his entry level contract. And based on your kind of, you know, conversation with him, Dave, it seems like he has a real sense of urgency entering this season. And I do think it's kind of funny if we want to look back, just, you know, because I like taking digs at everybody for this. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, remember how much we all freaked out about, you know, oh, Jack Dugan and burning the first year of his contract. And, and what does that mean? Oh, and free agency and all of that. Like, well, you know, now he's in the last year and he hasn't even played a game, you know, in the NHL yet. So I don't think we, you know, the Knights have to worry about him, you know, signing a four-year deal for 20 million or anything right now that, you know, has to sign, you know, a squeeze under the salary cap. So, you know, from that perspective and, and maybe, you know, to the point and to your question is like he said, you know, he feels like the clock is ticking a little bit, you know, for him at 23, you know, he, he played in the AHL. Uh, at some point here, he has to start showing and proving, you know, that he can be a guy, you know, that maybe can crack the NHL roster that can contribute, you know, at the NHL level. It, it's going to be a tough roster to get into from the start this year, but certainly, you know, if there's injuries or, you know, suspensions, whatever it might be like, you know, we're going to talk about this with the defenseman, but there's always need for extra people. Like you don't just go into a full season and get through it with, you know, the 13 forwards and, you know, seven or eight defensemen and two goalies. Like it never happens that way. So, you know, depending on what happens, depending on what he shows here in the next couple of weeks, you know, depending on what he may show in the AHL early on, he may put himself in line you know, to get a call up. And I think that's, that's sort of what, you know, what he's itching for at this point is really just to see, you know, like he said, you know, he's getting a little antsy, but he, it's because he just doesn't know. And, and part of it is sort of, you know, as a player, probably, you know, being self-aware and understanding, okay, you know, these are the things I need to work on and let's, let's see where I'm at against these players and, and maybe I can play against them, you know, for him, and this is something that Manny Viveros talked about last year and, and again, you know, during camp is is pace of play with Jack Dugan. And and I think that's sort of a broad term. I think it can mean a lot of things. I think there's some, you know, things like skating and, and whatever with that. It's not just about, you know, doing things quickly, but but there is something to that 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 when you watch him a little bit more, you know, he's not the greatest skater. He doesn't do everything you know, at full throttle. And, and so I think there's some things, you know, coming into camp that, that he's going to have to show that, 
you know, he's working on and, and I guess maybe, you know, that he sort of understands and gets, you know, about his game that he has to improve. Yeah, because the key is, as you were kind of mentioning, is making sure that he's putting himself in, you know, the strongest position possible to be one of those depth guys. Because we talked even, you know, we asked Peyton Krebs about this going into camp. Like, it's a really uh, crowded uh, forward group. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But the Knights remaining to um, RFAs, Dylan Coughlin and Nolan Patrick have re-signed. And with Patrick kind of coming back in, I mean, they're already at basically... 13 forwards that you can pencil in, you know, these guys are going to be on the roster, you know, 13 guys on one-way deals that would have to be exposed to waivers that there's just no way that the Knights are going to do that. So it's going to be hard for, you know, Krebs and Dugan to force their way onto the initial roster. Uh, But as you said, you know, opportunities are going to open up throughout the year. So they have Dugan's job, at least for sure in camp is probably, Hey, make sure that they know that I'm ready whenever that first opening uh, comes up. And in a similar vein, you know, you touched on this uh, before too. I think guys that are interesting to follow are, you know, Caden Korzak and Peter Delibatore because, you know, usually, and you touched on this in another story, the Knights, you know, their first three years or four years, excuse me, have always had kind of experience, you know, in the press box, whether it was Brad Hunt for a season and a half, uh, John Merrill in year three, Nick Holden last year, there was always kind of that veteran sixth to seventh defenseman swingman that they always seem to have on their roster that they could turn to in a pinch. Uh, this year, they really don't have that. It's going to be a lot of young guys. We talked a lot um, last episode, I believe, about Dylan Coughlin. Uh, potentially being in that kind of, you know, seventh man role. And I think, you know, if you got to look at, okay, you know, eighth guy, ninth guy on the depth chart, which uh, as you pointed out in the story, you did that uh, the Knights often do go like, you know, six, seven, eight guys deep during the course of an 82 game season. You know, Korzak and Deliberatory are kind of, you know, guys that could easily thrust themselves into that uh, position so, I mean, you mentioned that they were a uh, quote unquote bossing, love the lingo at points in the rookie games uh, over the weekend, Dave. I mean, do you think their performances should at least have the Knights feeling encouraged that, you know, they're not going to kind of trip over themselves if they need to be called on this year? Well, I think encouraged is probably a good word, but I do think they're, I mean, you know, it's interesting you when you look at it and you mentioned, you know, guys like Brad Hunt, John Merrill, Nick Holden, like those are veteran guys. They, these are not veteran guys. These are young guys. And, you know, at some point, yes, you need to create opportunities for players in your organization the same way that, you know, a manager at, at your job would have to create, you know, you know, jobs internally. Like you want to be able to move up within the organization. You want to know that there's, you know, room for you and, and opportunity for growth. So in that respect, if they feel like and, and I'm just this is just sort of my opinion on it. It feels like Caden Korzak's probably the front runner for for all that within that group. And there's one name that probably has to be mentioned. And Cal McCrimmon had told me last week that Jake Bischoff is injured and not going to be ready for training camp. But, you know, once he comes back, he's a guy that's played, you know, four NHL games in his career. You would think that he would be near the top of that list as well. So I don't want to, I don't want to glance over him as we, 
as we have this conversation. But I think Caden Korzak, you know, you look at his pedigree, you look at him being a second round pick and, you know, playing in the world juniors, you know, doing well in the AHL, you know, coming in. It sounds like a lot of these guys reported August 1st and had been working out, you know, together for the last month. And it sounds like Caden Korzak really felt like he belonged and there wasn't any point, you know, that he felt out of place going back to skating with the Black Aces even uh, in the playoffs. So, so you you think that it sounds like and it feels like he's right on the cusp. You know, Peter Deliberatore is a guy who spent three years in college. You know, you, you would think he's a little bit further along. It's not like he's just coming out of juniors and things like that. Now, he's not re- – you know, th- here's the thing with these two, though, as well. These are not like really, you know, offensive-minded defensemen. So, so you're not going to look at the stats and go, oh, they're ready or, or they're going to do this or they're going to do that. You know, and all sorts of things. So, you know, yeah, if they have to get to seven or eight, you know, you hope a young guy like that is ready. You hope maybe, you know, we mentioned him earlier. You have to throw Zach Hayes in, into the mix, you know, with all this and in, in, in the conversation at this point. I think he's absolutely thrust himself, you know, in, into the conversation. They're going to, you know, take a long look at him. So there's a handful of options, but, you know, as, as we're, as we're having this conversation, I'm almost kind of talking myself into the possibility that it's Braden McNabb. Like, how crazy is it? Would Dylan Coughlin be in the top six? And, and maybe at this point, Braden McNabb gets pushed out or something like that. And that's, you know, your veteran seventh defenseman. This team has shown that it will put who it feels gives them the best chance to win on the ice. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. I, I'm not necessarily suggesting that Braden McNabb, you know, should be out of the lineup. But if we're talking about a veteran and, and all these other guys and and the praise that they've heaped on Dylan Coughlin and certainly Zach Whitecloud, I feel like, you know, has earned an elevated role. We, we could see all sorts of different combinations here, you know, throughout training camp on the blue line. No, they definitely have a lot of options, which is going to want – make camp and kind of this whole season really interesting because, you know, getting back to 82 games means, I mean, you're just going to rely on a lot of guys. Um, I think I touched on this last week. I mean, it's very easy. And I think it's fun for people to get excited about, you know, kind of the initial quote unquote uh, 23 or in the Knights case, especially like last year because of their cap issues, definitely not 23, but you're going to need to rely on a lot of guys to get through, a season as, as long as the NHL's is. And the Knights do have some interesting candidates to kind of come up uh, and fill in. Uh, before we move on to kind of previewing then main camp, I'm moving on over there. Uh, any other uh, rookie camp observations that uh, you want to make sure to throw out? Dave, I think we've touched on quite a few guys. Yeah, I, so I want this, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the goaltenders um, because I thought it was really interesting to watch in practice and <laughs> Carl Lindbaum in particular it just struggled. It was so obvious. And, and I don't know if it was just the coaching or the drills or, you know, whatever it might've been, but he just could not stop a puck. And Fred Braithwaite, the goaltending coach with Henderson spent a lot of time kind of coaching him up and talking to him. And then all of a sudden he shows up and is just like a gamer and is kicking everything out, 
you know, looks like a completely different goalie in the game and gets them their first win. It was, it was really fun to see. It was, it was really fun to almost like kind of eat crow because, you know, a few of us were, were really kind of wondering what that game on Monday, you know, was going to look like and how he was going to hold up. And, and he more than held his own. And, you know, it, it's funny because he got the win and yet, you know, Jesper Vickman and Yuri Patera, I thought both played pretty well for stretches and, you know, the Knights just not being able to stay out of the penalty box and, you know, just not having a chance to work on the penalty kill and it, and it being real obvious and struggling at that point, kind of hanging their goalies out to dry a little bit. So, so the stats maybe don't look as good, you know, for a guy like, like Patera or for a guy like Jesper Vickman. But, you know, I thought there were, there were some, some positive things, you know, for the goaltending coaches and the goaltending department to, to take away from this weekend. Now, and I say that as somebody who's admitted multiple times on this podcast that I don't know my, you know, what from my elbow when it comes to goaltending, but having watched, you know, this weekend there, there I think there were a few things that, that seemed to jump out in that, in that regard. Yeah, we are definitely uh, of the same mind in terms of I played a goalie in youth hockey for about two minutes before they got my butt out of the net. So I'm not the best evaluator, but it is interesting to see how kind of these young goalies can fight through stuff because goalie is obviously a mental position as much as it is, is a physical position. And so it's at least encouraging that uh, Lindbaum, who, for those who don't know, was a seventh round pick of the Knights this year, seemed to at least be able to fight through uh, some adversity here. Uh, all right, so let's move on to talk a little bit about main camp because, as I mentioned before, we're recording this on Tuesday. Kind of fitness testing is expected to begin on uh, Wednesday for the Golden Knights, and then they're going to have their first on-ice practice, we expect, on Thursday. There's obviously a lot of uh, intrigue heading into camp uh, this year, as there kind of always is with this team since they have sky-high expectations. Uh, I did write a uh, piece today for tomorrow's paper on some players I was eager to kind of check out and uh, study in camp. Uh, Dave, what are you going to be looking for when the Knights officially get back together on the ice this week? Well, I think you touched on it with a, another one of your pieces. You were out at the Golden Knights charity golf tournament, uh, I believe, yesterday as we're recording this. My days are all goofed up from my trip. And... You know, there was a lot of talk, it seemed, and a lot of questions about uh, the absence of Marc-Andre Fleury. And, you know, I know the Knights and, you know, fans probably, you know, or at least some segment of the fans want to talk about the players who are there and the players that are going to be putting on, you know, a Golden Knights jersey. But it feels like that's going to be something that hovers over, you know, at least training camp for you know, a few days, a few, you know, week, I, I will see. It's just, you know, it's such a big storyline. We, we talked about it all summer. You know, he was, he was such an impactful player for, for this franchise and this community. And so, you know, to not see Marc-Andre Fleury skate out and be in that net, you know, the first day is just, it's going to be very different. And I'm curious to see, you know, as we go along, how the players react and, and just the chemistry and and how that locker room and things, you know, mesh going forward with without some of those key figures. Yeah, I thought Jonathan Marsh so kind of, I guess, shot from the, the hip, for lack of a better word, when he got asked about it yesterday. And it will be 
yeah, interesting because this is obviously the first time the Knights are going to come together and not have uh, Mark Andre Fleury among them, and even kind of a you know to use a journalistic term, my lead yesterday. I was just thinking about you know Mark Andre Fleury has basically gotten you know a corner locker uh, every single year he's been with the Knights, and now all of a sudden you know that's gone away. So they'll have to kind of figure out how to just kind of you know restructure. Uh, themselves without him but obviously they have a very good uh goaltender in robin leonard uh still that's going to be taking the bulk of the starts for them uh the guy that i was really uh thinking about uh i'm just very interested to see how nolan patrick looks in camp uh, i mentioned it earlier he did re-sign on sunday to a two-year deal with a 1.2 million dollar aav I think we've gone over the basics before, but he had, you know, 61 points in his first 145 NHL games after being the the second overall pick in 2017 uh, out of the Brandon Wheat Kings, who, of course, were owned at the time by Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, He was taken four spots ahead of one Cody Glass, who he was basically traded for. Uh, Then Patrick missed all of 2019-20 with a migraine disorder. Then he came back, only had nine points in 52 games last year, Um, just not a good showing. Uh, he's had just so many health issues uh, throughout his career. I mean, dating back to junior hockey, um, but he's coming off a healthy off season. Uh, he still just turned 23. He got a contract on his birthday, which is a pretty good present. And, you know, he's a big skilled center who can skate. Like they only make, you know, so many of those uh, in the world. So, you know, when it comes to camp and, you know, how he's going to potentially perform, I mean, is there anything you're looking for specifically, Dave, or something you want to uh, check out to kind of see like, okay, he might be on the right track here? Yeah, I think that's funny that you mentioned, you know, that they only make a few of those because, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy, He's he definitely passes like the eyeball test in that sense in terms of just, you know, if you could make the mold and and draw up what you're looking for like that's that's the guy so if you can get him to his ceiling you know again then it it could change the dynamic of the franchise all of a sudden you have a top six forward that you know maybe you didn't have before i think it's hard in practice to watch other than just the skating and the speed and like you know how does he look in that regard and and without a whole lot to compare you know, from seeing him before, you know, maybe that's not the best thing to go off of, but, you know, and, and again, here's the other thing too. Like, I think it's more about the preseason games for him. And again, like this goes back to even last year and players have mentioned this, Kelly McCrimmon mentioned this, like they didn't play preseason games. So these kids did the types of, you know, a Jack Dugan, um, you know, those types of players that would have got a look in preseason last year, they didn't get that opportunity and they're going to get that this year. And even somebody like Nolan Patrick, who, you know, is more of a, you know, sure thing for the NHL roster at this point than say a Jack Dugan, you know, those preseason games are going to be big. You, you, you don't have a lot of contact. This, that's where I'm going with this. You know, you don't have a lot of contact in practice and, you know, the elephant in the room with Nolan Patrick is physical and can he hold up? Is he going to be healthy? What happens when he gets bumped and bruised? And is he going to go to those dirty areas of the ice? It, last year, he mentioned it himself. He admitted that early in the year. 
that he was tentative. It was in the back of his mind, you know, the concussion that he had suffered before, the migraine issue that developed from that, and it affected his game. So if we start to see those types of things in the preseason, if he's still tentative and and not going to, you know, the areas and playing the way that he needs to play, then yeah, then some really hard questions need to get answered and asked at that point of his career. But, you know, you would hope that he's healthy and, you know, change of scenery does him good. The contract does him good. And that's your, you know, golden Knights that you hope you're getting the Nolan Patrick that everybody, you know, projected, you know, a handful of years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting because I mean, we know how much uh, this team potentially needs another center. I mean, this is a team that was in the NHL semifinals, uh, having Keegan Colasar and Nicholas Waugh uh, play between Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. And, you know, no offense to those players. Um, they're obviously very good, useful, kind of more bottom six NHL players, but they should not be the guys being your number one center in a semifinal series. So if Patrick, I'm not saying he has to, you know, eventually center those guys in a playoff series, but if you can at least provide hope that he could be you know, a kind of middle six center that can provide depth and move up the lineup when necessary. That would obviously be such a key development uh, for the Knights. I don't think they even have to say like he needs to tap into this unseen yet upside, but if he even gets back to the level he was at his first two seasons where he's kind of at like 30, 35 points a game or a year, I think the Knights would take that in a heartbeat. It'll just, you know, be as you said, whether he kind of trusts his body and kind of trusts what he's seeing out there to be able to get back to that level. But it'll certainly be given a pretty big opportunity in camp. Uh, another guy who's going to get a big opportunity in camp, but I'm interested to see is uh, Evgeny Dadunov, who of course they traded for uh, this off season, got him from Ottawa. Uh, his is interesting to me because uh, the Knights have spent four years touting all of the two-way forwards they have. It's been like a huge part of the identity of you've got, you know, Stone and Carlson, who are guys that kind of annually receive Selkie votes. Stone obviously receives heavy, heavy Selkie consideration basically every year. Uh, Riley Smith is excellent defensively. Chandler Stevenson, also very good. Uh, Jonathan Marshall is solid. Even Tuck made some strides last year. Um, and honestly, uh, Max Patch ready too. I mean, Despite, uh, I think, kind of sometimes what we see. I mean, he was a guy when they acquired uh, Pacioretty, despite him being known as this big goal scorer, they made sure to talk up like, oh, but Pacioretty, you know, will help out defensively too. This is a real two-way kind of guy. I mean, this is something they bring up all the time with their forwards. And then, of course, you bring over Evgeny Dadunov. And I just don't think you're ever going to hear someone talk about Dadunov's defensive game as this big positive and i don't even mean that necessarily as like a huge insult because the offense that he brings is very very good um i looked this up over the last four years uh he would rank fourth on the knights in goals he's two behind carlson despite you know carlson's insane first season with the knights and he's only one behind stone and patch in terms of just their goal totals the last four years and obviously you know you think back to how the knights have lost in the playoffs the past two postseasons and they could really use a guy who's that good at scoring goals. Um, despite, of course, all of this preamble, Dadnov was only on pace for a 19-goal season in Ottawa last year if you know it were a normal 
uh, 82 game season. So I guess, what do you think is a, an acceptable outcome for him coming into this year, Dave, knowing that he's probably not going to bring a whole lot else to the table besides kind of that strong goal scoring ability. I mean, if he has another 19 goal season, is that kind of going to be acceptable or is the bar going to be set higher for him uh, here with the Knights? I mean, how many assists does he have with the 19 goals? You know, Um I mean, on the surface, my answer to that question would be no, because it feels like, especially with the knowledge that we now have and that they probably were armed with all along, is that Alex Tuck is out of the lineup. And so it changes sort of the expectation and maybe the dynamic of the acquisition of of Dadanov or Dadonov or however the heck you pronounce it. That's another thing. These Russians with this pronunciation stuff i'm I, I i'm convinced that we pronounce half of them wrong and that the accent should be on the second syllable like ovechkin so that it should be dodonov but anyway whatever i i'm just rambling now um <laughs> i like it. I uh, but, it but back to back to the x's and o's and the, and the whole the whole reason that we're here i i feel like they're taking a big gamble on on him and sort of him being the answer and the guy that gets them over the hump, the guy who fixes the power play. Like there's a whole lot of things that they're supposedly bringing this guy in to, to fix. And, and he came off a pretty bad year in Ottawa. He's, you know, in his thirties, like this isn't necessarily like somebody like Nolan Pat- Patrick in terms of like, younger high ceiling has performed before like we, i don't know if 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 the expectations are are fair really for where he's at in his career and i think it's a big question mark you know coming into this season because if they don't get production out of him they're going to need the top 6 to produce more than they did last year and they're going to need Chandler Stevenson to replicate you know his production and being a number one center over an 82 game pace. He hasn't done that yet. You know, William Carlson, that line, like all these people, then, you know, you're asking them to produce maybe more than you should or are expecting at this point. If that enough doesn't come through. So I, I just, I think there's a lot of questions that come with this. I'm fascinated to see where they play him as well, because if you go back through his career and you look at, who he skated with in Russia, who he skated with in Florida as his centers, and when he's had the most success versus when he's struggled, it's been with obviously centers who were, you know, good to elite. And I don't know that the Knights have that. And then I don't know if they have that on the third line. Maybe it is Nolan Patrick. Maybe there's some kind of chemistry that clicks, you know, with having a right hand center and you know, Dodonov on the left side or something uh, that could work. But right now, as it stands, it just feels like there's a lot of questions about the position that they're putting him in and then the expectations that are going to come along with that and whether he can come through. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how Pete DeBoer kind of puts together this forward picture, you, as you said, there's kind of an argument for potentially having him break into the top six because he might produce more there. But the Knights have had 
pretty good success with those top two lines. So do you necessarily want to break, you know, those kind of proven lines up for a newcomer, especially when, you know, the Knights have shown that you can produce on that third line. Alex Tuck uh, last season was on pace to score 26 goals over 82 games, you know, if it had been a full season. So they do really like to kind of hunt mismatches with that third line. And so Dadnoff seems like he could be a guy that could do that, but uh, we'll ultimately see how, you know, the roster puzzle kind of shakes out. Um, those are two guys I'm fascinated to uh, watch in training camp. Dave, anything else uh, you're looking forward to seeing once things officially get going on Thursday? Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, I guess, and just whether they feel content with their roster and whether this is what they're going to stick with or whether we could see, you know, potentially some more moves. I, I don't necessarily want to start a salary cap conversation on here because as I wrote on Twitter, I'm terrible at it. But as much as I understand it right now with, you know, talk like there's a little bit of wiggle room, like they can do some things with the roster. It feels like coming out of training camp, we might see some, you know, unexpected guys that make the opening night, you know, roster so that they can maximize, you know, that salary cap pool and and get the most out of Alex Tuck going on long-term IR. Uh, There's different things, you know, sort of with that. You know, I think that that we could see develop and, and all that. But, you know, I don't know once they get a look at everything, if they're still going to feel like they're strong enough down the middle. And I'm sort of dancing around the issue of whether they're going to, you know, pop back into the Jack Eichel sweepstakes, whether they feel like at some point that's what it would take to get them over the hump or whether they would pass on that and maybe wait until the trade deadline or something like that. But I still feel like ultimately just sort of running it back the way that they have that the same issues that haunted them the last couple of years are still going to be there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because, you know, who knows? The Knights could make, you know, some decisions, as you said, if they don't necessarily love what they see in training camp or they could just wait until the trade deadline uh, again, because I think both of us certainly don't expect them to really have to fight that hard for a playoff spot this year. But it will be more interesting to see how they position themselves for another big run at the Stanley Cup, because really that's pretty much the only mountain this team has yet to climb, which is crazy uh, considering they're just entering their fifth NHL season. Well, we're going to be excited to kind of see, you know, a lot of these questions start to get answered this week. Once training camp uh, is underway, make sure to follow uh, both Dave and I on Twitter for updates. I'm, you know, at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z. He is at David Shane, L-V-R-J. As always, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Also, check out all our written work uh, from training camp at reviewjournal.com. And of course, as a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and we are presented by Blue Wire. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon.